Welcome to True Independent Media, Real News Live. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Saturday Night Live. I'm your host tonight. I'm Mike Barra. I'm here with uh, Candace Whitelight from Montana, and TV's Blake Wally has joined us. Blake, it's been a while. Where are you tonight? Undisclosed location, fleeing from uh, California. An, an undisclosed bunker where? And somewhere in California? East of California. East of California. Well, that's in the United States. <laughs> that, that could be. That could be Singapore. You know, we don't really know, depending on <coughs> how it all works. Um, Casey Jones is not quite here yet. She will be joining us in a little bit, and when when she does, we'll be bringing her. In. Oh, there's Casey Jones. Wait a minute, Casey, you ready? Can I can I bring you on? Yes. Yes. Okay, there she is. Hi, Hi guys. Hey. Welcome to Saturday Saturday Night Live. How are you tonight, Casey? I'm doing good. Hi, Candace. Nice to see you, Blake. Nice to see you guys. You too. All right, it's great to have everybody here. And you know, tonight we're going to do the usual thing. I'm gonna we're going to do a little um, news report. And I, you know, I have uh, unfortunately I have quite a bit of information to download. And I'm going to do a slideshow, show you a couple videos. And then we're going to go around the horn and talk about what we think about all this. And it's going to go, you know, Casey, Blake, Candace. And then um, when Candace gets done giving her her download, then we're just going to kind of cross talk a little bit. And eventually later on, we're going to do our top five 90 songs of all time. OK, are you ready? Kate? Yeah. I wonder what Casey is going to be. So hello to everybody, 100 people in chat already. Uh, great to see everybody over there. Hi, Glenn. Hi, Citizen Quasar. I thought you were quitting, Citizen Quasar. Uh, Dave Barra. Who's that? I don't know who that is. But anyway, great to have you guys here. So let's get started. I'm going to share my screen. And we are going to go. Oh, yeah, of course. This is absolutely perfect. It's never there. This thing is funky. There we go. All right. There we go. Uh, okay, guys, so I think the top story tonight, having looked at stuff, is before it's news reported, you know, it says bombshell. It's always a bombshell, but it never really is a bombshell. It's just another, you know, Lego in the in the wall. It's another another brick in the wall, another Lego in the wall. But the 2020 election took place under a Trump-declared national emergency. And this is not even correct. It, it was declared and ratified by the Congress that set an election day trap for the unauthorized accessing of election and campaign infrastructure. This comes from Natural News. It says we have another major bombshell here. Uh, despite the intense malicious censorship of big tech, we're really becoming known for our endeavor. Okay, whatever. The story begins with a little-known executive order signed into existence on September 12, 2018 by President Trump. That order, which is available at whitehouse.gov, and I have read it, is entitled Executive Order on Imposing Certain Sanctions in the Event of Foreign Interference in a United States Election. That's pretty. That's a pretty interesting term. Mm -hmm. In that executive order, uh, which almost no one has covered since the day it was signed, the president declared a national emergency. That emergency is still in play to this day, and the 2020 election was conducted under this state of emergency, which is a crucial point to understand what's coming next. Keep in mind, we have this national emergency, we have the COVID national emergency, which was ratified by Congress. And uh, the other thing people don't know is that the United States is in a perpetual state of emergency. It has been every day since the uh, Gold Act of 1933, 
when they took away the gold and silver because all of the agencies, the FBI, the DOJ, all of these agencies are extra constitutional. The only way you can have an EPA is to declare a state of emergency because the, the, the constitution gives certain special powers under a state of emergency. So in order to make the New Deal legal and, and the Agriculture Department and the Energy Department and all of these things legal, we have to be in a constant state of emergency, which essentially means that in reality, we are living under a dictatorship and have been since 1933. Interesting factoid you probably didn't need. Anyway, in the EO, the president also states that people and organizations located in part or in whole outside the United States, if they are able to interfere and undermine the public confidence in the United States elections, including through the unauthorized accessing of election and campaign infrastructure or the covert distribution of propaganda and disinformation. Um, the EO further states this foreign interference constitutes an unusual and extraordinary threat to the national security and foreign policy of the United States. I don't know, guys. We'll have to talk about this when we get into crosstalk. Anybody think maybe Trump saw this coming, this election thing coming? No and, way. Yeah, nah. no, he's not that smart. Couldn't be. Nah. Uh, Dominion is a foreign-owned company, which makes Dominion-based election theft a foreign interference issue. So it falls underneath this um underneath this particular EO. And now there's this new thing that's come out called Skittle or Seidel. I like to call it Skittle because I like Skittles. But it's, um, hang on, let's go back. It It's connected to George Soros and the Democrats and Bill Gates also owns stock in his company. Dominion is Canadian. Skittle is from Spain. Both of these represent foreign interference in US elections with data rooted through service uh, servers in Germany. Now, here's another interesting point. Remember at Brett Kavanaugh's hearing, when Lindsey Graham asked him if Americans who were found to have colluded with foreign entities to undermine or attack the United States, could they be tried as enemy combatants, as foreigners in military tribunals? And when Brett Kavanaugh answered yes, all of a sudden all these gang rape ac accusations came out against him. This, I believe, is relevant. Um, anyway, another voting machine company called Skittle, also widely used, is located in Spain. And if you go down this, <clears throat> What people are missing on all this is that Trump's executive order gives the Department of Justice the power to seize all assets of individuals and companies. Wouldn't it be great to see all of Bill Gates' assets be seized? Mm -hmm. um, complicit, that we're complicit in aiding or covering up this foreign interference in U.S. elections. The EO further explains that asset seizures shall target people and entities which have materially assisted, sponsored, or provided financial, material, technological support, or technological support for goods or services to or in support of any activity described in subsection blah, 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 um, or to have act, purported to act or on behalf of directly or indirectly any person whose property or interest in property are blocked pursuant to this order. In other words, the EEO cover, the EO covers every person who has been corrupted by or compromised by communist China. That includes probably 80% of Democrat lawmakers, according to some estimates. Uh, and every organization involved in the election theft and cover-up can now be seized by the U.S. government through President Trump. Now, that would include the Dom Dominion voting systems as well as other voting systems used in re the recent elections. And the EO finally describes what it means by the term foreign interference. It's pretty broad. Any covert, fraudulent, deceptive, or unlawful actions or attempted actions of a foreign government or any person acting as an agent of or on behalf of a foreign government undertaken with the purpose or effect of influencing, undermining confidence in, or altering the result 
or reported result of the election or undermining public confidence in the election processes or institutions. Gee, anybody think Fox News falls in that category? Now, um, Sidney Powell went on and said that there's staggering statistical evidence and staggering witness testimony about criminal election fraud. We've been seeing this the last week or so <coughs> all across America. And, um, and then L Louis Gohmert talked about what's going on with the server farm and Skittle. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And um, <clears throat> let's finish up with the last little bit. Um, let's actually, you know what, I'm going to go out now and I'm going to play you um, his video right now. This is Representative Louis Gohmert yesterday on Newsmax TV. Okay, so that I find to be pretty fascinating stuff. Actually, let me let me fix the volume and let me run that one more time. Okay, because I know it was a little low on the volume. Okay, here we go again. He needs to just give up. But uh, that's a place where all of this information was cycling through. Not supposed to, but it was. And actually, there was a uh, German that, as I was told, there was uh, a tweet in German from Germany that the U.S. Army had gone in and seized the Seattle server. They're going through bankruptcy right now. Uh, so there's all kinds of games being played. And I suggested that the president might get information uh, from Seattle and the next day before, and I sent him specifics that he needed to get that would be, would show a lot of fraud. And the next day before that information could be gotten, somebody ordered the U.S. Army, according to the tweet, uh, to go in and seize the server. There are people involved inside the government that have been trying to take this president down, State Department, Intel community, and FBI, and all. Okay, so... What I find fascinating about this, just to throw out there before we move on to the other stuff, is that because government agencies are extra constitutional, in order for them to act or for the president to act on information he's given, basically there has to be a complaint. In other words, without Louis Gohmert reporting to the president that there is this server farm in Germany, which I'm sure they already know about, for this company called Seidel or Skittle. He calls it Seidel. I'm going to keep calling it Skittle because I like Skittle. <laughs> 
That is what gets this in motion. And the report, again, here's a U.S. congressman saying that, oh, uh, there was a German tweet that said the American military had uh, gone in and taken over and seized these servers. Well, he's not throwing that out there. I mean, he's a U.S. congressman. He is saying that because he knows it to be the truth. So let's finish off then real quick, and then we'll get into the get into the roundabout thing. Um, <clears throat> yeah, of course. So where we're left with is that I I saw um, another map that basically showed that this is what the information seized from the Seidel servers, Skittle servers, showed. That the raw data, because here's what happened. They did this in 2012 also. The data was collected. The votes were counted. The data was sent to the server in Spain and Germany. Then they were, the algorithm was run overseas in order to tell them how much they needed to modify the Dominion software to steal the election for Trump. And this is apparently what they estimated was going to be the result if they didn't start creating the voter fraud. 410 electoral votes for Donald Trump, 128 for Biden. Trump winning Arizona, Nevada, Utah, California, even Hawaii. I find that one a little hard to believe. But this is the information that's out there. So I think it's really important because ultimately what we're still talking about here is the Electoral College. And um, Candace is going to talk about this in a minute. The Electoral Count Act, which is another uh, act we have to worry about here, legal hurdle to cross, is that the Electoral Count Act of 1877 is the, uh, noted above by the 12th Amendment requires the electors to sign, certify, seal, and transmit their votes, now known as the Certificate of Vote to the President of the Senate. However, a clause in Section 3 requires the governor to deliver certificates of ascertainment to the electors and requires the electors to enclose and transmit the certificates of ascertainment along with their votes. The electors must now make and sign six certificates of vote and annexed to each one of the list uh, electors that has been furnished to them by the direction of the governor. So we have another kind of complex legal aspect to this whole thing. So, all right, guys, what I want to do now is I want to kind of go around the horn and see what everybody thinks. Casey, you think this story has legs? I mean, just what does your gut tell you about this particular story? Uh, well, I'm excited to see the executive order. I mean, I definitely think that it falls in line with um, all the things that Trump knew was happening. So it's just kind of another um, another chip there. Um, but I wanted to go back to something really fast that I have a note here about the legislators, what you're just saying. Um, constitutionally, the state legislatures have the duty and the responsibility to seat the electors that make the vote. And they have the power to seat pro-Trump electors. So if all of this does come out this way, do you think it's actually going to go back to the state legislators to be able to put those people in position that they want? I mean, I do think this has legs. And I'm just wondering if that has a way to play into this. So I guess just uh, time will tell. Well, that's a question we're going to ask Candace because she's the expert on this when it comes back. As I understand it, um, as I understand it, that, you know, the electors can vote any way they want. And we, we meaning the patriots, have mm -hmm. that fairly well locked up regardless of what the state certifies. Look, I don't care if a state certifies a fraudulent vote total, then the electors are not bound, as far as I know, to vote for the candidate that they allegedly selected. Now, that's 
messy and gooey and gets kind of messed up pretty quick. But yeah, I mean, and again, I agree with you. It appears to me there's no way that Trump didn't know about this, but he couldn't probably act on it until, and this is, you know, not really very well known that these agencies cannot act until somebody files a complaint. So that's what I suspect Representative Gohmert did. Uh, TV's Blake Wally, what do you got for us? Any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of good stuff. And I, I do, you know, Gomer's kind of goofy, but he's a good guy and he's a patriot and he knows his stuff. And that's some pretty big allegations, a big stuff. It's news to me, but yeah, I think it's credible. And yes, he is a uh, member of the house. He's yeah. It does have access to these kinds of information and uh, it's pretty awesome. And I, I'd love to believe that this is all, you know, a carefully laid trap and they know exactly what they're doing because we definitely need them to, you know, to take this. Otherwise we're going to let, uh, basically a, a stolen election uh, take place, which would be uh, really bad for everybody, uh, not just here, but the entire planet as, as a result. So, um, yeah, there's no reason to trust any of this uh, Dominion software that should be disqualified. It has to be seriously audited if it's going through all these foreign channels and has all these, like, big uh, money uh, you know, philanthropists, eugenicists, whatever, uh, running things. So, yeah, it all has to be brought into question, the integrity of the voting system. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, there's multiple ways for Trump to win this thing. I think Dominion is probably the best way. Actually, just stopping the vote count on election night and and not letting Republican observers in, which is required by law, pretty much invalidates all votes counted after that. So that's a one way he could win. There's the Skittle server thing. There's all these different ways that he could approach this and, and go after it. So, um, you know, I, I, I just think it's getting really, really... Um, interesting it's like all the pieces are being moved on the chessboard but at some point and i'm going to bring candace in here at some point sweet candace sweetie you got to take a pawn you know you got to at least take a pawn so what do you think's going on um and you're muted by the way what do you think's going on right now there she is Howdy. um well there's uh Several levels that are happening right now uh, that I can really wait, 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 stop. Did I not introduce you and, and ask you to say hi? Did I mess that up at the That's beginning? Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Everybody knows who I am. I know, but I'm sorry. Candace. Go ahead. So I'm hearing crosstalk, which is very strange. Okay. So you want me to introduce myself or just forge on ahead? No, everybody knows who you are. Just go right okay. <laughs> We're agreed. Uh, okay, so this election has uh, gotten really interesting. Um, I'll point out just kind of where I stand right now with the information I have. Um, number one, we've got uh, Pennsylvania that has been basically thrown in the toilet. Um, they've got some big problems because they have an attorney general there that is a Democrat and a governor there that's a Democrat, and they have refused to have a recount. So that's kind of um, what needs to be put into the courts as far as uh, forcing them to do it. Now, they don't have to do it. They, they can be resistant and they can certify all of the votes. And then it, of course, would have to be disputed in the Supreme Court. So um, that pathway is probably not a first choice. So what we want to do is to really go in and convince the states, all of them, that use this Dominion software that is um, rife in 29 states, um, that it is flawed. And the work we have going on behind the scenes is that uh, 
our dear code monkey, Ron uh, Watkins, who is uh, was eight coon for the uh, last couple of years, um, is working tirelessly because he has uh, discovered the back end for Dominion. Now, Dominion is a multinational company that's run out of Canada and it has a subsidiary here in Denver. Um, and it is also associated with the, um, uh, the, the basis for what all of these states have used uh, for actually many years. Dominion's been around for quite a while and they have what is called black box, box technology. Now that is a really extensive kind of computer program that basically uh, divides votes up according to what they call fractional magic. And this is something that I discovered probably back in 2004 when they started using it. And it's a, um, it's a real magical thing. And believe me, they can manipulate just about everything. So. We can go on and on about that, but uh, CodeMonkey has actually gotten yeah, access Canada. to the back end. Real, real quickly, isn't that like like in the plot of the movie Office Space where you know there's fractions of a penny in some of these transactions, so the guy steals all the fractions of the penny and ends up with $300,000 in his bank account. It's the same kind of data mining, but with votes. Is that correct? Well, there's a lot of similarities, and I'm no computer expert, but from what I understand, it is the case that um, it is used to determine outcome. And that is uh, kind of basically how people have uh, dealt with it. I don't know how they've gotten away with this. So that's just, that's one angle of the fraud that's going on. So I'll try to move along. Um, the other one is that CodeMonkey has also brought about is a lot of these um, ballots were actually downloaded onto a onto a, a drive, you know, one of those thumb drives and was actually physically transferred to another facility. And he posed the question today, he said, isn't that kind of a problem with the chain of custody if somebody just puts it in their pocket and carries it across the street? And I said, bingo, you know, this is what I've said all along. You've got these mail-in ballots have no determined chain of custody, which means you don't know where they've been between when you fill them out and when they're actually counted. So that is a huge anomaly. It's never happened to this degree forever, you know, because we had the COVID crisis and everybody decided they had to vote from home. And so this was really convenient. What they did is they sidestepped the whole issue with absentee ballots, which actually is uh, determined and it is a process that is uh, in most states it's legal. So we have that. Okay, that's two things out of the way. Now we go to the third one, which I think is the most interesting, and that is that if all else fails, we will have to go to the next process, which is the one you just outlined, which was the uh, the Act of um, 1887, which basically determines that. Um, that it goes to the Congress and they are tasked with coming up with a vote that is determined by the number of uh, electoral college people that are in each state that then are, they vote together and they determine on a candidate 
goes to the governor and we happen to be not only in charge of the state legislators, which are in um, over 29 states, I believe, and then also the governors. So as of this time right now, if that were to happen, we would put Donald Trump into the White House because they have to vote along party lines. So that's a third case scenario. So, so that's, that's that, that is for the, that's the electors or that's the con congressional vote, which one? Well, what it is, is it's a, um, it's a process that requires the, the, not only all of the Congress people, but all of the senators in every state to actually participate in this in terms of determining who the electors are. So there's kind of a back end process that has to be, you know, followed and it it is federal. It's federal legislation, but it I mean, you read the Wikipedia on it. I pulled that little piece out and it is rather confusing. So I think there's it's never it hasn't been tested since the election with um, it was back in the 1800s, I believe, which is not too long after the act was written. And then it, it went into a kind of a rehashing at one point in time. So it would be a little bit problematic because you'd end up with a whole lot of lawsuits and, you know, everything might go very badly. But that is actually an option because of the fact that if we can't get a vote by the other two methods, which, of course, are kind of fraught with uh, a lot of personalities and, and of course, it's, it's just uh, been set up as a uh, Democrat versus Republican war that we're going through. And um, it is going to take a while to actually get to the point where we're, we have anything settled. And, I, you know, specifically in those states that are the battleground states that have the most electoral votes. So, you know, there, there we have the, the issue that really comes to mind, and that is that if we go to the third uh, prospect, it ends up getting reduced by the actions of the state in terms of their majority in their own state legislatures as well as in the congressional. So it kind of gets all combined together and everybody votes and then there's one person that's, a, that's put up one vote and that ends up being getting down to how many states are actually Republican run in the country. And that happens to be more than our democratically. 30 run. or 32, I forget what it is. Is it 30? Yeah. 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 Which shows you, you know, it shows you the, the wisdom of the electoral college, I think, because, you know, if it was, <clears throat> if it was up to the fake popular vote, fraudulent vote, we'd have, um, you know, we, we'd have Demo we'd have just people in New York and, and L.A. Um, mm -hmm. and Chicago through fraud deciding everything. Guys, got any questions? To, uh, Blake or Casey, you have a question for Candace right now? Either one of you? It's Stop. a lot of heavy stuff, but, yeah, it's definitely not over. It's not the, up to the media to decide. It is going to be the Electoral College, the Senate, and Congress, and it's going to drag out for a while, which is a good thing because now we can take a, a closer look at this, this whole process. And, yeah, the Electoral College is, is, it was a wonderful thing, and we had, it's, it is so key and so important, and it was set up, and it was great foresight by the uh, by our forefathers to, uh, to implement that. So thanks thanks to them, and they've, they've kept this, in, you know, afloat where a lot of people are trying to tear it down. 
Yeah, buddy, it's like the only thing keeping us from being a complete dictatorship right now. Yeah. Casey? Um, I just, again, I think this is why it's so important that these uh, recounts happen uh, just for the, uh, you know, the Senate and the House seats, because obviously we're going to need those when it actually comes down to this vote. So I think that's also going to play into what Candace is saying. So. Interesting. Okay. So one other thing I'm going to share something else. There's another thing that happened today. That's gosh, just a little bit important. And it was the million mega March that took place in Washington, D.C. today. Let's take a quick look at that. Gosh, I hate how blurry these things get uh, get when they go full screen sometimes. But that, that actually that was actually two or three hours before it started, and it was uh, it was a huge event. And they're saying they are saying they may have gotten close to a million people. They at least had several hundred thousand. That right there is probably a hundred thousand people, but it was far far bigger than that. And then later on, I, I don't really have the video. We could show it. It degenerated into uh, again Antifa and Black Lives Matter types started attacking Trump supporters, people that were unarmed, women, women, children, and elderly people. They, I saw videos of, of Antifa pieces of shit, uh, excuse me, um, you know, sucker punching elderly white men from behind. And it just, it's, and again, here we are uh, hours and hours later, <clears throat> and gosh, I haven't heard a word from Joe Biden or Kamswala Harris about unity. Casey, have you heard anything from Joe Biden about unity? Haven't heard a single thing, but it was so nice to see my Facebook and Instagram and Twitter just flooded with all the videos from uh, from that march. It's amazing because Biden could even fill 36 circles, right? I mean, he can't even fill a, a gymnasium. So it's awesome to see all those people out there. But and then right after I saw those videos, of course, all the Antifa and I saw um, Antifa chasing kids and it's just, you know, family with kids. It's just it's horrible. They but then if you look at the people that get arrested behind that, that's kind of the only thing that they can kind of go after is, you know, children and elderly people. So. It's just really sad to see, but awesome to uh, see all those people out there for Trump. There was a big thing here in San Diego today, too, which was awesome. Yeah, and I, I like that Trump came driving by in his limo. Blake, you got any thoughts on the Million MAGA March? Why weren't you there? Maybe he was. <laughs> Maybe he's escaped Antifa, because we don't know where Blake Wally is. Right, exactly. I, I could have been there. I could have orchestrated the whole thing behind the scenes, made a cameo. But, uh, yeah, no, that's that's amazing, and that's why we always thought it was, was totally thrown away. It's total fraud because there was so much support everywhere, every state that, that Donald Trump goes. And, yeah, Biden can't draw any people, but all of a sudden on Election Day, there's record turnout, and it's all for him. It, it's just none of it made any sense, and it seems pretty obvious that there's uh, fixes in, and they're, they're doing everything they can to try to force it and get us to accept it before you know, reality and for us to actually you know, take a look at it. So, but uh, yeah, the numbers don't lie. We all, we all see it. They showed up. Yeah. And you know, that, that, that really is true. Um, that really is true that this, what's happening here is they're so desperate to declare this guy the winner and there is no circumstance and no traditional um, uh, method that's ever would have been, you know, like, in other words, he would not be declared the winner in any other election year yet. They've gone out of their way to do it. And Candace, what do you think that, that does how does that go to the complete destruction of the mainstream media 
Well, this is what I'm really hoping for. And I, there was a couple of comments I want to talk about because really um, this is a major point uh, is that, and it, Juan Osaban said it yesterday on a show uh, that he did with Rogue News is that we really do have everything. We have had uh, cameras in all sorts of areas that were basically, um, you know, the voting areas, the ballot counting areas, you know, we have been monitoring this for quite a while, actually. There was a, another EO that was put up in 2018 that was about foreign interference. And this one was actually had a lot of teeth in it. So uh, we've also got people that have been monitoring in these other countries. So, you know, this is a worldwide phenomena. And I really do believe that um, getting back to that point is that uh, we we aren't in a bad situation right now. I mean, today we had a really good get together that had um, and the media misreported it. But I'll tell you, I saw a lot of times the footage of Antifa going after the the MAGA people as they were leaving and they sucker punched a woman and they ripped a flag out of somebody's hand. And you just got to remember that this kind of stuff is being captured. Everybody has a phone camera. So it's like, how are they going to get away with this with the media not reporting about it? I mean, it's getting ludicrous. And I, I think that it, we're really close to having what I believe is going to be a purge of the, the media. I mean, they need to come down before we can ever get this settled because they're the ones that have made a mess of this. They've lied. They've cheated. They've corrupted. I mean, this has gone on for how many? Well, for four years for crying, crying out loud. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been insane. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Just go ahead. I, it's it's crazy. There is going to be a, um, a day coming up. I'm looking for uh, a photo of it to show you guys. The president came by. He's got a huge smile on his face. There's um, there's basically going, they're talking about doing a, uh, I thought I had one here. They're talking about doing basically a media blackout from November 15th until November 20th, where you, they want people to not watch any Fox News, NBC, ABC, CBS, any of these organizations that have basically falsified this election and declared Joe Biden the winner, even though he's clearly not. I seriously screwed up here, guys. I was going to show you the placard. But um, they're basically, you know, that's the proposal. I'll try to, I'll, while somebody else is talking, I'm going to try to get it up and running uh, up on the screen here. But yeah, what do you guys think about that idea of a, of a blackout? Blake, um, what do you think about turning off all these these mainstream media outlets, no news, no nothing. Just let them starve for four or five days. I like the idea if we could all get on the same page, the Democrats and the Republicans. I just I don't see it working on, on both sides, unfortunately. I mean, they should. Ideally, yeah, that, that would be a great Senate message. Uh, there really isn't much to, to trust these days. You know, even in the, the Obama days, the old days left, you know, I used to like some of the leftist stuff. Um, the old days of MSNBC, or at least I like a daily show with Jon Stewart. But now it's the liberal media is just terrible. There's nobody there that I can listen to, not even the daily show or anything anymore. They even have Colbert. Um, Saturday Night Live is horrible. So, you know, then a good. I don't say that. Let's have some good people on there. So I got to give credit. Don't say that. To We're Saturday Night Live right now. Don't say oh, that. That's right. And we're, yeah, the old, yeah. The, the, this, you're not talking about this show, right? Oh, no, no. Sorry. I wanted to, yeah. 
Thank you for pointing that out. Draw the distinction there. The other, the other, the formerly thing. Yeah, that demonstrosity that used to be good weight in the '90s. But um, yeah, the, with the Fox News though, I mean, there are some good, talented people. I mean, Tucker Carlson's great. Sean Hannity is great. I used to hate those guys back in the old days. I mean, I didn't hate Tucker Carlson. I take him seriously. But during the Bush years, where I didn't like Fox News, but at least those guys are good now. I mean, there's some good shows, or you know, The Five, or there's some good personalities. So I don't want to necessarily go against Fox, but I think you brought up a really good list on the show yesterday with, you know, some of the people that probably need to go. The only thing I think I would disagree is maybe some may have the leftist views. Like we all get you know crazy about Juan Williams and stuff, but at least they kind of give a voice to the other side and they can kind of all, you know, beat up on the tomato can. But um, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's complicated because whereas as like an MSNBC, they won't even let like intelligent conservatives on. So they don't want anybody to challenge their narrative. Yeah. Um, OK, so it's called the hashtag is fight back. And it's uh, from November 15th through the 22nd, President Kennedy's assassination. Basically, just complete blackout on CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox and CNN. I think that's a great idea, not just the news networks, but the networks themselves and really, really try to hurt their uh, their ratings, their income. See what we can do to push back to let them know that we're not buying this. Complete blackout of all channels. Don't watch anything. Sitcoms, reality TV, boycott every show. MSM is colluding to steal the election and we need to fight back. So that's the idea. Um, Casey, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think it's a good idea? You're gonna you're gonna do it around the uh, Casa de Jones? You know, I haven't had cable in a long time, and as Blake was saying, those intelligent uh, people, all the intelligent people I know, haven't had cable in a long time either. So, yeah, I feel like the only people that are watching those networks are the ones that love to be told exactly what they want to hear. So uh, they need to be the ones that are boycotting. So let's just spread this hashtag. So maybe they'll kind of wake up for a second to uh, to turn it off. But uh, everyone that I know is kind of already on that bandwagon, and as are we. So. Those are the only people left. Yeah. Um, Candace, so are the are things like this really important to this fight? Because, I mean, we're in a fight for the next month or two to try to make sure this election is not stolen. We all know it was stolen. Let's not let's not say it might have been stolen. It was fucking stolen. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Are there any kids here? I hope not. Um, yeah, because this is not a kid's stream. But um, the, <laughs> Stephanie Jackson, the only media I listen to is Mike Barra. You, you are sweet, <laughs> Yeah, I owe you an adult beverage the next time I come to Phoenix. Um, but Candace, are these kinds of things, this uh, blackout of the media channels and um, and and the, the Million MAGA March, which the president showed up to, are these things critical? Does the president need this to go ahead? It's almost like, you know, there's a spiritual aspect to this, right? The spiritual war. So does he need us to take these stands in order to carry this fight forward? Well, we're, you know, in a process of what I believe we call with the Q movement, uh, the Great Awakening. And, uh, you know, there's no better way to basically shake people into reality other than uh, just hitting them in the head with a two by four. But, oh, oh no, we don't have to do that. Um, what we really need to do is educate them and say nice things and then hit them in the head with a two by four. But uh, ah. we, we're in a situation where there just it, there is so much out there. If you weren't observing what was going on, um, you know, and I hate to say it, but you'd really have to be living in a cave. And we do have the cave people that we need to be nice to. But um, you know, our entire process here is really to to get people to the state of mind where they can. Um, 
be a part of their own lives and realize that there's another big picture thing going on here. I mean, this is all kind of details in comparison with the changes that the earth is undergoing and, and how our consciousness is raising and, and what we're all beginning to come into in terms of our sovereignty and freedom. And, you know, it, it's the case that every couple hundred years, uh, most, uh, countries you know you can think about it back into the deep past but they'll go through some sort of uh you know resurrection state where they have to come back to their original principles and fight off the uh you know the people that have really thought they were in control of this place which was uh basically goes back to the uh, satanists so you know there it is in a in a nutshell Here's my friend, Alina Zayas. She is, I think Zayas is a Spanish name, by the way, Alina. She's the best karaoke hostess in the world in Southern California. So if you're ever down in LA, actually Casey Jones and Blake Wally yeah. and Candace Whitelight, the next time we're all together in LA, we're gonna go to see Alina and she's gonna make us all sing, except for me who I can't sing. So <laughs> I haven't, I just, I've, I've been I've been wondering when you were gonna come in, Alina, and it's great to see you. So, um, okay, Candace, so I, I guess, you know, at, at this point, what what is the next step? Because, I mean, again, you know, Dave Barra, it's time to make a move. You know me. I wanted them to make moves a long time ago. I understand 4D chess. I understand all this stuff. I see I see all the, the board set up. But at some point, like I said, don't you have to take a rook or don't you have to take a knight or don't you have to take a bishop or even a pawn? When do you think that that starts? Do you have any gut on when we might have something start? I mean, are we going to start with the pawns and an arrest of a some people for electioneering at the polls or or you know poll counters something like that? Uh, it, all these people have committed federal crimes. People do need to know that if they participated in this, that they're going to go to jail. So. That's a known quality. Obviously, everybody is looking for something that is very, you know, what I would say public. I mean, somebody that, of course, we all want to be taken out in handcuffs off the uh, stage of CNN, but that's an, another thing, too. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, I, I agree that uh, I'd sure like to see things, but, um, you know, William Barr's a nice guy. He's been working really hard behind the scenes. I think Durham's right with him. Um, they got a good crew there. Um, they're they're still uh, having to overcome a CIA that basically is um, rogue, if you want to put it that way. And and then you also have to look at you know the the tons of folks that are good that are in this country that uh, you know have to be treated well and have to be shown you know the process. So. Uh, if I go into it in any detail, I usually come out the other side thinking that we have done a lot of work. I've said this before. I think this is something that uh, we need to recognize um, and kind of be patient. I mean, Juan said it really well yesterday. He said, patience, grasshopper. And that was like a, that was a, one of my little um, things that I get out of him ever so often, which is a nod to my my past and a lot of people's past that are watched the Kung Fu series with David Carradine many years ago. And, and that really was, where is that gone? Where's, you know, chivalry gone and knighthood and, and wisdom and, and, you know, all the things that we should be really thinking about right now, instead of what people are saying on TV, that's 
the most corrupt thing and I, you know a lot of people have come to this is they've just turned off the TVs and uh, I used to say this to people that would ask me questions about what can I do to get enlightened you know I said turn off your TV <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly oh yeah yeah that's kind of the the long and short of it I I do like answering the questions you know to uh, to kind of look down here and, and see how how angry people are and I I really appreciate that because it does take anger to get to a point that is where you start to be proactive you're you're really you know out there talking about this making conversations um, you know one of the things that is biblical truth there's it's always darkest before the dawn mm -hmm. and I think we're really coming to a point where we've got the 51% now, you know, if, if all this gets sorted out and we find out that, that Trump got, you know, 80% of the vote, which some people like are that, saying. Like that, is, map, is you know, yeah, like that map, 410 electoral votes or something is what it really was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're going to be on the high road here and these Antifa, you know, I mean, it's going to come down to, I said to myself, I saw that video today and I said, I sure wish I'd been there with my staff. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, uh, taken, I was thinking the move that I would do. Yeah. Casey and Blake, you both look like you have things you want to say. So Casey, you go first. I'll go first. Okay. Well, I was just going to say, I just want to take, I want Trump to take the whole 5D chessboard out at one quick swift, all the pieces off. That's what I'm hoping. Also, another comment, um, we live in the world of immediate satisfaction all the time. So when all these people, and I know I'm guilty of it too, I want something to happen, I want something to happen because we're so used to just immediate satisfaction. But um, I do agree that we need to stay positive because this is definitely a spiritual battle. And I believe that the evil feeds off of the negativity and, and our doubt. And I think that we need to just, you know, keep our eyes on the prize and carry the torch over the line and just keep on um, being positive. And I know it's hard to do. And I know Candace is very, very positive and I'm sure she can feel the weight of the people that, you know, are the naysayers, the negativity. But um, I think that's probably the biggest thing that we can do right now is pray and definitely stay positive because uh, we know the outcome that's going to happen. It's just a matter of getting there and uh, having people be patient. Cause I know it's very hard. It's hard for me as well. So. Okay. Um, Candace, do you want to respond to that? And then we'll go to Blake. I just, I really appreciate you, Casey, because basically that is our our job here as uh, reporters and news people. And, and I really feel strongly as you do that um, we have seen a lot go on already and that uh, patience is a virtue. Amen. Definitely. Yeah. Amen yeah. to that. Amen. TV's Blake Wally. What do you got? I can tell you got something in your there you want to you want to ask or you want to yeah, a few things spinning around, no particular order, but uh, yeah, I think she was kind of Candace was kind of alluding to the uh, you got to get mad first. I was kind of having that flashback of the uh, people having that Howard Beale moment, you know, where they've got yeah, first you've got to get mad. That's also a really great, such an exceptional movie of how the media operated back then, even when they were kind of predicting things. And where it is now, if people haven't seen that, you need to go watch the, the Howard Beale. Uh, yeah, the film is called Network. And yeah. it, it was basically telling you everything that was going to happen in 2020 in like 1978 or something. Yeah, right around there. But yeah, then also, yes, it's just time to be positive too because these mm -hmm. are very uh, trying times. The, oh yeah, trying the, try the man's soul, uh, one of those things. So yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. Um, 
Yeah, we keep waiting for these like these big surprise arrests. Like, oh, there's some high-profile person's going to get taken down. There's going to be days of darkness and everything. We need to sit back and you know everything's going to be taken care of. I I still hope that's going to happen because now it's like that went from like days of darkness in like I don't know May or something, and now we're already past the election and they're stealing it. But I'm still you know I'm, I'm still optimistic. There's we're still going to win this somehow, some way. And yes, stay positive and uh, keep pushing out the news. Okay, Alina, don't get pushy. She's saying, Blake, are you in Cali? Let me drag you out for some karaoke. He said, no, early in the show, if you'd been here on time, he said, no, he is east of California. But yep. yeah, we will we will do that, right? Otherwise, I would take you up on that. I, I do like uh, karaoke every once in a while. All right. Um, okay, so Candace, any response to Blake's comments? Well, you know, I really appreciate the uh, what we're having here is a lively conversation. And I, I really think that what we have look we're looking forward to blake is is really a better world right mm -hmm. and if we keep that positivity and we kind of we we have our moments right that that film network the whole thing was fantastic because it really was a statement about the media and about how frustrating it can get because even back then in the what was in the 60s you know it wasn't a perfect process and there was just too much of the leave it to beaver sort of leftovers. And and I don't think we've ever had a moment in this country, I could say, where things were really actually honest in the news. I, I think it's been corrupted since the days of uh, William Randolph Hearst and his uh, newspapers, you know, where it came out, if it bleeds, it leads. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's at the tone for a lot of this. And and I've been really appalled by the way that everybody has been caught up in all the, you know, the terrorist activities, because really, I mean, it'd be better if we ignored them, wouldn't it? You know, and just mm -hmm. in silently and slit all their throats. I mean, you know, have that visualization. <laughs> yeah. By the way, 333, that's bizarre. Okay. I noticed like 10 minutes ago, it was 333 people in chat. Then it went up, then it went down, then it went up again. And 333 is my number, and now I just looked up now to, to say that, even though I figured it wasn't going to be 333, and it's 333 again. So pretty amazing. Um, what about resonances and stuff like that? I mean, I, it's bizarre, Candace. I was listening to my buddy Ted Marr today and some other people, and everybody's talking about the Schumann resonance now since you started talking about it. And how, what, why, I mean... Oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm totally the leader on this. And I, I don't mind because, hey, you know, somebody's got to get out there. Now, the, the thing about it is, is that people have started picking up on the fact I was combining the human with a whole lot of theory that actually I learned from Juan Osavin. So I'm going to give him a plug here because he talks about it too. In fact, he went into it really deeply the other day when he did a show with, uh, prepare for change. And if you haven't seen it, um, maybe I'll have Mike put a link up on it. It's three hours long, but it's excellent. And, you know, what it is, is that we're looking at the Hertz rate. And this has really been, you know, understood by more people now that it has to do with our brainwave states. And that breaks down. Like I say, join me on Frequency of the Earth. I've got you know, tons of articles on there now about everything from, you know, the uh, the actual um, brainwave state itself, but also in combination with the Fibonacci, with the um, 
you know, the Sofregio, which is a series of tones, the 432 hertz, you know, the, the 369 of the Tesla. It's mm -hmm. all coming together. This is the beauty of what's going on right now is it, it's becoming this um, event that is leading to the marriage of our scientific endeavor, which is going to lead Mike, you and I talk about it all the time, to the med bed technology, to the, and I got updates on that. I'm so excited about what's going on with science. And this other stuff is a distraction and it's for a reason. And I got to get pissed about this is because they don't want us to take part in our own medical physical, psychological ability to, to heal ourselves. Bottom line, because they have forced so much medication and vaccines and shitty food and GMOs. I mean, get mad about this and get out and march about these items. Mm -hmm. then, then we've got a movement that's going on people are going to look around and go, really? Yeah. You know, um, one of the things I read uh, from somewhere, uh, you know, is that, is that the reason why we have weight issues and things like that is it's not really the processed foods. It's what they put in them, like lecithin and things like that, which actually make us retain weight, have fatty mm -hmm. liver, you know, all these different issues that we have. So we'll still be able to enjoy crackers. It's just they won't have the del deleterious effects on our bodies that we used to. So that's one whole level right there that's going to reduce diabetes and cancers and all kinds of other things yes one of this next phase and and yeah the, the thing about the book that i wrote in 2010 the choice was talking about that and that and that it's not it's not enough to just have the intellect there's an intellectual knowing right but that's not the whole picture there's also the intuitional knowing that we've completely ignored and what the 2012 thing did was it put us back on the path think of it as a as like, you know, a U and you get to the bottom, the nadir, and now we're starting back up where we start to, to think the knowledge we have in our hearts is just as important as what we have in our heads. Okay, again, um, and, and, and Blake, I know when Candace is talking, it's, you kind of have to just interrupt her sometimes, but do you guys have anything else you want to add? Or uh, And this is weird, Candace, because we're all in, in this together, but it's kind of like we're interviewing you and having you on as a guest, even though you're, you know, you're obviously part of the family. So Casey, you got anything? else you want to bring up or I, I love listening to Candace talk I really just get mesmerized and I agree 100% and uh yeah I think it's all about the foods and I know uh yes or what the other day when you were talking to Mike you know it starts with uh the education and kids and um you know just kind of really tearing down everything that we thought that we knew what we were you know told was good I saw fluoride exactly they think that's good for you and really just relearning everything and naturally so we can actually get our brains we only use a tiny percent of our brains and i believe that's because we're so dumbed down of the, the knowledge that we're supposed to have and that's the whole point of the elites kind of hanging that over us the whole time right i mean they're they're keeping that knowledge from us but um it's all about education and really just educating ourselves and that definitely starts at home so um, yeah, just, the better. sorry uh blake go ahead i'm sorry do you have anything no, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's great stuff. Yeah, we've been under control, under like mind control, and there's there's, there's money in this stuff to kind of keep us down. And yeah, we're in the very infancy of our evolution. We only use okay. part of our brain, part of our DNA, our mind. We only there's so much dark matter in the universe. We're just we're barely learning. Any yeah, we have so far to go. 
But uh, yeah, it's very interesting hearing about all this stuff. I do, I really do like I like listening to Candace as well and all these the frequencies and you know with the Tesla technologies, the three six nine. He said that's all about it and the, the quantum physics. I, I get into all that stuff. It's absolutely fascinating. But yeah, they'd really keep you dumbed down and eating junk food and watching uh, reality TV and all that stuff. So, but yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It's the fight. It's the big spiritual battle. I have a question for Candace. Candace, so sometimes like if you wake up in the morning and you kind of feel a little bit off, do you just go to the Schumann just to see what it's doing? Just to see like, you know, maybe why you're feeling that way or, you know, I feel like I do that all the time. If I wake up with like some slight headache or if I'm feeling like a little, just a little off, I can always tell because I go to the Schumann and it's just a little you know uh, Casey, real quick, before she answers, there's also, you can go to your daily biorhythm and check that out because I find that's accurate yeah. all the time. Which may be linked to the Schumann, uh, but go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, well, you know that. Thank you for the question because uh, I I get this a lot with my group. You know that we really hang on the Schumann um, in terms of looking for those little symptomologies, but. Um, the Schumann is something that's collected within the ionosphere, which is a pretty big area that covers the Earth, and it, it has um, a certain resonance to it that the, the Earth uh, vibrates to as well, and that is what we look at for different graphs. Um, I do believe that they do they affect us, but there is a kind of a a much more important thing that's closer by to all of us that really has more of an effect and. You know, there's a few things that I can toss out there. Um, number one is hydration. Mm -hmm. If I ever get a headache, it's because I haven't drunk enough water the day before. Mm -hmm. And I know myself well enough when I wake up, I go, I don't look at the shaman. I go and get a glass of water. So, <laughs> and I drink alkalinized water, yes. nothing but alkalinized water. It costs a little bit more. Or you can buy things that actually will alkalinize it for your whole home or for just a cup at a time. It's really worth doing. Um, there's also oxygenators that you can buy that um, add um, ozone to your atmosphere. Um, these are also good things. You know, we've, we right now are surrounded with, uh, you know, very high frequency, which is comes from our, our Wi-Fi and our cell towers. And those things have a probably a more profound effect because they're actually much closer to us. So we have to think in terms of um, shielding uh, EMF protectors, uh, which are out there. There's a lot of different types. I myself have one that I sell. Um, it's called a harmonizer. And, uh, you know, those are, those are things you put on little dots all over your, I've got two on my laptop and one on my phone. And what they do, they act like polarizers. And here's the big trick everybody has to understand. Wavelength can be two different things. One, it can be, it can be harmonious. It can be straight line. It can be a nice soft uh, wave form. Uh, and then it can be actually very scattered. And one of the things about, cell towers is they just send out the signal all over the place and it's quite disharmonious. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, that's using a technical term, but the idea is. Is, disharmonious. That, is that actually a word? I'm sure there's a more technical term, but um, actually that was what well, came to mind. Any, any system, any spinning system, which like the planet earth is any electrical system, it's either in resonance or dissonance. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're talking. There you go. It's a, and you know, I think of it like light. And so I say, well, what would work with light in order to straight line it so that it doesn't bother you? And that's called polarization. Mm -hmm. 
So you can think of it as what you're doing with these little discs or whatever is you're you're basically moving that uh, disharmonious or uh, you know non-resonant um, you know waveform into a more cohesive as we call it with the Schumann and uh, certainly something that the body can just pass right through you. Uh, so there's there's an attitude that basically um, works for people because it's also, and here's the other thing, Casey, about this, you got to learn to move energy. This is like a secret, okay? So this is what we used to do in Shaolin Kung Fu. When we woke up in the morning, we would stretch <laughs> and we would like, touch all our pressure points from our feet up to our head and it would move that energy through. And then you would say to yourself, you would stand in a formation called the star, which your arms are outstretched, your legs are a little um, to the side about, you know, 30 degrees. And you would say, I am one with the universal life force energy. It is flowing through me now. I feel it. And if you hold your hands out there, you're gonna feel it. And you get that energy going, nothing can stop you. I'm not kidding you. This, is, this is the secret of the universe. <laughs> so it, it won't like, well, cost you much either. <laughs> I'm just, you know, this is service. This is what I love. Yeah. And you know, I'm old enough. I'm older than Mike actually, but I'm as healthy as a horse and I could beat anybody any day. I'm, I'm just, I've kept myself away from toxins. I know when something is bad for me and I don't consume it. I stay away from my allergens. Allergies have a ton of significance to us human bodies. Mm. I was tested for my allergies when I was in my 20s. I found out I was allergic to most everything. And so I had to eliminate everything. I had to go through a, you know, fast. I had to do a cleanse. Mm -hmm. And then I came out the other side and I introduced things one at a time. See how they did. I ended up in the hospital once because I got stung by a, a yellow jacket. And I learned how to take, you know, little, little bits of something over time. And you would then get less allergic to it. There's there's a lot of stuff out there you can do you can learn. Yeah. If you if your body spends an awful lot of time fighting allergies, it doesn't have energy left for the rest of the yeah. being and everything else. And uh, antihistamines are horribly um, yeah. corrupting to your your biomatter. It's it's really something that they you know. And I would say, get rid of everything in your uh, you know your medicine cabinet because half the stuff you buy over the counter at least are it's probably out of date to start with but it's also not good for you because well, if, we have, uh, if we if we do have med beds and i'm absolutely uh, absolutely going to do that get rid of all That's that right. <laughs> um candace what about protecting ourselves from 5g elena says what do you recommend well i i guess i gotta do the short story here is that um 5g does not exist um I used to work in the business. It's another thing I used to do is install satellite systems for internet from the satellites. And uh, that was uh, kind of an interesting profession. And I certainly got cert close enough to what we considered a 5G uh, transponder that sat on the outside of these parabolic dishes that collected the uh, signal from 23,000 miles away 
Okay, so that's a long way away. So it had to be pretty good power, right? Mm-hmm. And the only, uh, the only thing that it said on the little unit, and I'll never forget it, please don't put your head between the transponder and the parabolic dish. <laughs> okay, so there you have it. You just don't get close to it. Yeah. A 5G system is only as good for about 800 feet. That's it. You would have to have one on a telephone pole outside your house. They can't be far away from the transponder because then they don't work. Right. right. So they would have to be run in what we used to call a uh, uh, to be synced up. And you'd have to run them down blocks and blocks and blocks. And then you have put basically into that area something that is 5G only means fifth generation, by the way that is something around the course of about 700 megahertz okay it's very high resonance that means the waveform is about oh six feet tall and it's very fast moving and and so basically to catch it with a little you know antenna it's like a total waste i mean why would anybody want to do that it takes so much power to run it this is another perversion of what I consider the deep state's um, wet dreams. They they think they're gonna charge everybody with this and they're gonna make them all crazy. And you know, they, they would if they got by with it, but it, there's this war going on between AT&T and Verizon about this, you know, sort of system. And it cracks me up because neither of them have it available. They, they are making it like it's all available, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, we're better than they are. When really it's just enhanced 4G. Get over it, yeah, folks. Yeah, it's just it's just amped up 4G. Um, you know, folks, just to remind you, you do not talk to Candace. You listen to Candace. That's, that's what you do when she's on. Candace, I was shooting this TV show a couple of weeks ago, and they're like, "Oh, Barry, you're like an encyclopedia." And I was like, "You should meet my friend Candace." <laughs> No, and you should meet my friend Juan Osavin. Okay. Oh yeah! Oh my God! It's like you know, and it's funny. I I think we channel half this shit. I mean, it, the thing is, wow! I just you know, so much information. Casey, do you have something else you want to say or ask? You look a little anxious there. I'm, no, I'm just listening to Candace. Blake, no, you got you got anything? And then I have I have one question I need to answer in the in the chat. Blake, anything? yeah, yeah, I'm I am kind of terrified of what the future is going to look back and at us and what, how we like poisoned ourselves, you know, with Wi-Fi or cigarettes or leaded gasoline or maybe uh, what are they, the the, the, I mean, we are the aqueduct and lead in the water or something. Yeah. And we are living longer than ever, so there's there's that. But imagine how much longer we'd live, maybe to 120, pretty regularly, if we didn't have all this stuff contaminating us. With yeah. Candice, what do you? What do you think about that idea? Or- well, health health is certainly something that has been made a priority because it, it's uh, something they can sell, isn't it? You know, you st- got to start looking at everything that's around you and go like, hmm, I wonder if that plant over there would do the same thing. Let's mm-hmm. get simple, folks. You know, it's like a, yeah. they made things way too complicated. And it is the case where anything that I believe that they've made a system out of and have to regulate and charge you for it, um, we probably don't need uh, Tesla power is going to come in as soon as we can get rid of these deep state controllers. You got to look at it like that. Yeah. And you got to go back in time and say, gee, I wonder when they got started doing this. Hmm, maybe about the time that Tesla energy was overcome by. Um, you know, was banned, yeah, basically banned. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, 
of course, we all know we all know who reviewed and actually sees some of Nikola Tesla's papers when he passed away. It was John Trump, the uncle of the current president of the United States of America. Mm -hmm. Pretty amazing stuff. Um, okay, Jeff Williams, Nasara, can't get. I got to give you the the real quick explanation here. Nasara is the National Economic Security and Reconstruction Act. There's also a JESAR, the Global Economic Security and Reconstruction Act. People say they don't exist. They were actually passed by Congress. They were signed. It was signed by Bill Clinton. It basically calls for the restoration of the republic, the end of the corporate democracy, new elections within 120 days, no lawyers, a return to the original constitution for the United States of America, not the current constitution of the United States of America, which by the way is a fraud. It's not the real constitution. All this stuff, it's all online. Um, I've talked about it, other people have talked about it. I am by no means an expert on it, but it is basically part of a, a um, economic reset and not the, mm -hmm. not the demonic great reset uh, of the deep state. It's, it's basically starting from scratch in a, in a world anew. And I think it's gonna be pretty, pretty amazing stuff. Okay, uh, once one more time around the horn, uh, Casey or TV or TV's Blake Wally, you guys got anything you want to say before we go to the fun stuff? No, good. You're good. Blake, you're good. Yes. Anything else you wanted to bring tonight before we go on to the fun part of the night? The fun part of the show. Um, there was just uh, one more thing that that came up um, in uh, yesterday's talk with Juan is that he's. Um, He's really looking at this as a positive experience for the uh, elections and um, his knowledge base um, has much deeper understandings than mine does. But one of the things he's working on is is the science and um, he's also working on, um, you know, some of the stuff that's going on in Nevada which I want to point out, Nevada has a technology where they've got cameras everywhere that's watching your every card flip, and it's called the casinos. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm just thinking that that is probably a really good thing right about now. You know, we've, we've kind of gone into a, a space and time when technology to us all has been uh, suspicious. And, you know, we don't want people to have our addresses and everything. But you know, just from my experience with uh, the census is 99.9%, 99.9% of the addresses in the United States have been logged into a very large database system that will be ready for Donald Trump on the end of the year. And this is a significant development in terms of our ability then to shake this whole thing down so that the deep state no longer has this frauding capability. It's going to be magnificent because in that we are going to have the whole door open up for our future. And it's, it's a little thing, but it's really what we have to do as a country is to understand that technology works for us. We don't work for technology. Yeah. And and with that, we have posters, Cylons. We're not going to do the Cylon thing. That's right. I don't care if they all look like Victoria's Secret supermodels. We're not going down the Cylon path. <laughs> Anybody else to see Battlestar Galactica? Go start. Go watch it. It's, it's a great show. Okay. Well, you know, Juan brought up two, uh, two movie uh, connections. Uh, one of them is the Atholian Web. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Star Trek. 
Yeah. I really like that one. Um, it's uh, I'll write it down so you can look into it because that's the web that was it, at the last minute, Kirk got free of it to save the world. <laughs> you know, we're, we've got those models, right? So we got it. All right. Shaking. That is it. Sorry. I'm chewing on ice cause I'm thirsty. I don't, I don't have any water. You know, I got a, a quick beer story to tell. Normally, I like to have a drink on SNL, um, which is the only night of the week I drink, by the way, for those of you who might be wondering. But tonight, I was craving a beer. I was specifically craving a red beer, right? I'm a big red beer guy because they're very sweet. They have probably a lot of sugar in them. And I'm like, I got to have a red beer. So my favorite was Leinenkugel Red when I used to live in Minnesota with my ex-wife. They don't make a red beer anymore, so I'm screwed. It's like, damn, I can't go to Amazon and order beer. So then I thought, ah, I got smart. I'm like, wait a minute. BJ's, the BJ's restaurant chain, they have Jeremiah Red, which is a really good red beer. So I call them up and I'm like, have you got Jeremiah Red, red in a can? And they're like, oh, yeah, great. Come on down. So I thought, great. So I drove down to the shopping mall where the BJ's is and I get there. It's like, oh, we had a problem with our computer. So I am beerless tonight. All I've been drinking is Kroger lemon lime soda all night. I will correct that by next week. I just want to share that with everybody. Okay, we're going to move on to the fun part, the entertainment section. And um, so we can all get out of here. And, guys, thank you all for joining us. 332 still in the chat. And uh, we're going. the theme tonight is going to be your favorite 90s songs. Now, what I'm going to ask everybody to do, I don't know if Blake will be able to do this, so I'm going to have to do it for him, but um, is – is after we're done with our top five lists, put them in the chat, and then they'll be there for people. And then we're going to put up a poll to see whose top five songs of the 1990s is the favorite list amongst the uh, listeners. Yeah, you know, Victoria, Killian's Red is okay, but it's a little insubstantial for me. I It's not quite hefty enough. So uh, I didn't go get Killian's Red. Plus, you can't seem to find anything. So I was going to do this in alphabetical order. However, both Candace and Casey are CAs, and TV's Blake only starts with a T, and M is way down the list. So I think we're going to go ladies first. So Candace will start with you, and then Casey will do you, and then Blake, and then me. So let's have number five, your number five, Candace. Um, okay. Um, I'm scribbling on paper still because I'm trying to find exactly the right song. Well, you want Casey to go first? Yeah, Casey, go first. Casey looks ready. Okay. So I don't know if we're going like top, like five is the best, like one is the best. We're going to go five and then everybody do their five, then everybody do their four, then everybody do their three. So what's number five best song of the 1990s? Is more of a personal book? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Personally, just your opinion. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, I mean, in the nineties, I was like 14. So this is, this is my jams. Okay. So 1996 would have to be sublime pawn shop because I remember when I was 16, I was driving my Volkswagen Jetta down the strand on the beach and I was listening to it super loud, smoking cigarettes with my sunroof. And I thought I was so cool listening to sublime pawn shop really loud. That was, that was probably my number five. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> You are, are you still a smoker? Are you still smoking? No, no. Yeah, no I, just just when I had a car and I thought I was cool driving the beach, you know, with my yeah, friend. Like a year old girl doesn't smoke cigarettes, right? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> smoking in the ladies' room. Okay, yeah. Candace, we gave you, uh, we gave you some time. You were, Candace, right. in the 90s, in the 90s, you were, um, 
You were probably working on film sets and stuff. That's right. I was. Actually. Stars yeah. and rappers. So, so what are you going to give us for number five? Are you going to give us some two-pack or something? Or what's your number five? Uh, well, I'm going to go with uh, Peter Gabriel, Red Rain, because um, Peter Gabriel, he performed excellently at a series of concert tours, and I got to see him in Vancouver, B.C., and it was about the most insanely wonderful, you know, designed – you know, the whole set was beautiful. They had a raising floor. They had, you know, I mean, the guys were dancing. It was amazing. And the woman that that sang, uh, sang along with him was legendary. She had a beautiful voice. And Red Rain happens to be one of my favorites because it was a, actually a solo piece by um, by Peter Gabriel. And, and he actually, it was the height of his career during that period of yeah. time. Yeah, it's a it's a great song. You're saying he played all the instruments and sang the whole thing. Um beautiful song, but yeah, amazing. Yeah. Well it is mostly a vocal and then you know they they have backup. Um I mean a lot of the other songs were much more orchestrated, you know, the they had a you know the guys yeah. on the stage and everything. Yeah, he used to be the he used to be the lead singer for an old band in the seventies called Genesis where Phil Collins was the drummer and That's right, yeah. And they're both really super I don't know who the other guy was. They're both super talented. I never liked Genesis at all. I thought their progressive rock stuff is really boring and but as solo artists, I kind of like both Phil Collins' pop sensibility and Peter Gabriel just, he wrote these powerful haunting songs. So that's a really interesting choice. Red Rain by Peter Gabriel. TV's Blake Wally, your number five best song of the 1990s. Yeah, I, I like the choice by Candace. I got to listen to that because I, I don't know that one offhand. And interesting, Casey brings that up because Sublime, I, I was going to put uh, Santeria as one of them, but... I don't remember when I got because it wasn't like Sublime. They got when they made the music, they weren't that popular, and then it was after like posthumously. Yeah. So I can't remember when I used to really get into Sublime. I think that was kind of later. But in the '90s, I was a rebellious. Uh, I was pretty much a teenage, junior high, high school, college, rebellious era. So I was kind of more of a metal guy. So I'm going to start off with 1990. Okay, I'm go with Pantera. Cowboys from Hell. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of a nice, you know, I was into rap music, pop music, and then I got a little in my teenage years, and then I started listening to, uh, yeah, I started getting into heavier and heavier stuff, and um, yeah, Pantera was a really good play, like that early '90s. I, Dimebag Daryl and Phil Anselmo, or Anselmo, I've seen them in concert Dimebag. a few times. Yeah, big fan. Cowboys from Hell. Yeah, I remember some of my friends at Northrop Grumman when I was working there in the early 2000s. We're really upset when Dimebag kicked. They were just like, mm -hmm. I can't believe Dimebag's dead. Well, okay, he's a he's a rocker who did a lot of blow and stuff. So you know, catches up with you sooner or later. So <laughs> anyway, um, Cowboys yeah. from Hell by Pan. It was a, it was a really good song. Yeah. It was yeah, it was a different era. Okay, <laughs> okay so um, my number five is you, you know there's certain bands that I think you can't escape from the 1990s and. Um, and I hate to say it because people find them very irritating now, but Hootie and the Blowfish are one of them. And <laughs> it's like, I, I think that they, if you hear a Hootie song, you you think 90s. You're thinking the 1990s. For sure. For and, sure. you know, there's a lot of different songs, but the one I've always liked, the one that's op that always opens my 90s playlist is Hannah Jane, which is just a catchy song. I mean, how can you not kind of dance along to that and bop and totally. slow? So... 
Totally. Number five for me is Hannah Jane by Hootie and the Blowfish. Okay. Oh now we're back to Casey. Casey, your number four best song of the 19th. Okay, number four, number four, number four. Okay, number four is going to have to be, hmm, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with the Cranberries Zombie because when I was like 13, my mom got me this awesome stereo and gave me the tape of the cranberry, that that one. And I would listen to that thing so loud. And that was the only song that she never told me to turn down. So I love the cranberries. Zombie. And they're an Irish band. So that's cool too. So Zombie by the Cranberries. That zombie is by the Cranberries. That's my number four. Absolutely. Oh boy, do I love that, Casey. Yeah, that it's a good one. Totally, totally one of my favorite bands. So love it. Yep. Okay, uh, ladies first, ladies second, Candice White. Okay, um, you know, I have another person I just want to give a nod to, and that's Enya. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, she was a, um, she was everything that you'd ever want as a woman. <laughs> and it <laughs> was lyrical, I mean, beautiful um, presentation. Yeah. Um, and her song that I liked, um, just, it was, you could, you could just go to bed with it. It was a uh, Caribbean blue. So. Oh yeah. So you're going to go with Enya Caribbean blue. Yep. If you want to relax, if you want to feel good, if you want to feel in harmony, listen to Enya music. She's Irish, I believe. Right. Oh, yes. Yeah, and she actually sang um, her her sister, um, Moira, and she did actually Gaelic songs. Yeah, Gaelic songs, yeah. And um, and then there's also Clonaud is another band like that. And if you uh, want to know what the music Clonaud. is like, uh, it's, she didn't do anything for the last of the Mohican soundtrack, but Clonaud did. And it's like, it's that kind of music. And it's weird. I must have some Irish Scottish blood in me somewhere. Well, I mean, I'm a redhead, so I got some Scottish there obviously somewhere. Um, but when I would hear that music, it would just stir my blood. And I don't know why, because it's not normally what I would listen to this slow, peaceful stuff, but it would just, it would just, this wave would come over me and I would just relax. It's, she's very interesting. So very good choice. Very interesting choice. Not exactly cowboys from hell or zombies, no. <laughs> but not quite. Blake, TV's Blake Wally. What is your number four? Yeah, and he's very peaceful. I think I only know the one song. I don't remember the name of it, but I know she has libraries of, of, of music. It's, oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Nothing bad, I guess. It's not my thing. Cranberries, um, they do have some good stuff, but the zombie <laughs> one, it's funny because I'm thinking, uh, I know the girl was bringing up karaoke. I almost kind of wanted to do that song, karaoke, oh. but a little bit sarcastically. I like the music. I didn't like her voice, the cranberries, just that in your head, you know, I don't know. <laughs> but it's a good song. I, I, yeah, it's a very interesting. Four, but I was a very opinionated metal guy back then. So four, I'm going to go with one of the innovators of the metal era, sticking to the theme a few years later, Corn Blind. Oh. I thought their first album was spectacular. It was kind of a game changing. There was a lot of interesting music back then that was like, you know, very new stuff. And I thought that was a... One of the best albums, 93. Right. Actually, yeah. The whole album is great, but Blind is, we'll start with there because that's one of the popular songs. Blind by Corn, not exactly going with the peaceful, relaxing 1990s music tonight is TV's Blake Wally. Okay. I was in the pop direction, but I'm kind of taking a personal oh, take yeah. on it. Look, it's any songs that you, that like when you think, what am I, if you can only take five songs from the 90s to the Desert Island with you, what are they going to be, right? For sure. Um, 
Um, okay, so we did Casey, we did Candace, we did Blake. Ooh. Okay, it's my turn. Oh, All right, uh, my number four song, I went to, uh, when I think of the 90s, another band I think of is the Chili Peppers, and I can't <laughs> not think of them. And I, I didn't, I hated them in the 90s because the 80s were better than the 90s, but then I moved to L.A., in 2003 and one of the great things about our la especially back then especially when i had money coming out my ears was um that, that there was always something happening you know like the, the reason why the traffic is so bad in la is because people are always going to do something mm -hmm. really really good alina <laughs> says okay blake don't make me get aggressive i can let i can get you to sing it too you know if we ever um if we ever do do karaoke, the only thing I would ever consider trying is maybe Policy of Truth by, De by Depeche Mode. Sure, uh, so, yeah, because yeah, I, 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 I could talk it. But I, I was like, okay, you know, the Chili Peppers, Flea's really ugly, and he, dan he plays naked on stage, and they suck. And blah, blah, blah. But then there was this thing where it was the 30th anniversary of the Ramones, and it was at the club, I forget the name of the club, right across the street from the Capitol Records building, right? The one that always gets destroyed in Independence Day. And X played, and and the, you know, oh, and nice. one of the Ramones. One of the Ramones was dying. I think it was Johnny was one of the last Ramones at the time. So it was actually a benefit concert to celebrate their 30th anniversary and raise money. And Peter Yorn was there. I don't really know him, but he was there. And the, and the, all these bands played, right? And then the last band to come out was the Chili Peppers to play a set. And. They blew everybody else that played that night so far off the stage, like I have never seen before, because I didn't really think of them as a rock band, but they exploded off that stage. And they play the songs just jammed and just powerful. And I was like, okay, I understand why these guys are <laughs> they're really fucking amazingly good. So then the problem is which Red Hot Chili Pepper song? Um so you're you're thinking of I don't know, Californication is a great song. Um, later though, right? Yeah, yeah. Give it away is a great song. There's another one. Fortune faded. I don't know. I don't yeah. know what years though. Yeah. Yeah. There's another one. Um, Blood sugar sex magic. I forgot the yeah. name of the album was. There's a lot of good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Blood, yeah. Blood sugar sex magic, and it was yeah. under the bridge. That's a good one. Yeah. That's honestly on my list right here. Is chili peppers. Um, yeah, it goes, it goes. We we both share this lonely view or something like that it's it's a, it's, it's a kind of a slower song really powerful um but the one i had to go for was danny california which i think is just really it just it goes slow it goes fast it goes up it goes down takes you like on this ride so that's my number three is it number now number four. Is my number danny california by red hot chili peppers well, I it's a great song. i didn't know if that was technically the 90s. I could totally be wrong. It's been a while. It might be. We're going to call them a 90s band. So it's no, it's 90s. Yeah, they are a 90s band. Yeah. If, I band. Pick, if I have to pick a 90s song, I can change it to one of the others I love. But yeah. Okay. There were, we got to see. We had tickets to go see him back in like 1995 or something. I think a drummer yeah, broke his arm in a softball game. Like 25 bucks in a nightclub, basically <laughs> a club in LA. And I, <laughs> you know, I'm, like, I'm like, wow, okay, maybe I better reassess these guys after that performance. So anyway, yes. Re really quick. Okay, so Anthony Kiedis is the lead singer of that band, and he's on the Epstein flight logs, just FYI. And um, if you want to watch a really cool documentary, there's a documentary about, um, it's the Chili Peppers, obviously. And it was when they're uh, making the Blood Sex Magic uh, album and it's called Funky Monks. 
It's a really good documentary if anybody's interested in that. But uh, yeah, and, and Flea is the bass player. He's awesome. And he is not on the Epstein fight log. So he will remain on my bass player. Also, I, took, I, took a, I went to Vegas with a, with a girl um, to see the Sex Pistols in 2006. And we were in line to get into the joint at the Hard Rock. And there's a restaurant right next to it. So we're walking by and uh, there's tape. There's, re there's a restaurant there and there's tables. So it's like literally you're here and the person's at the table right there. And, um, and Flea was sitting there with his girlfriend who's going to go to the show and he was having dinner. So everybody's walking right by him. So all these people are talking to him and I first didn't get it. And I got there and I go, Oh, I know why people are talking to you. He goes, I, you're Flea. And he goes, yeah, yeah. And he's like, so tiny and just so cute. But that's a really good documentary. Funky Monks is a really good documentary. Talks mm -hmm. all about it. So. Okay. I'm feeling old. All right, Candace, <laughs> your number three song of the 1990s, please. <laughs> You think you're sounding old. <laughs> I'm just like, uh, well, I'm going to go with one of my favorite all times. And it really is at the top of the charts with everybody. And it's uh, by Phil Collins when he went on his solo, solo career. Um, Another Day in Paradise. Okay. You could probably, for me, it was it defined an era. I mean, I, I totally listened to his album over and over and over again. And I loved his live albums. He was really good live. He was one of those studio musicians that really understood the dynamic of, uh, you know, stage performance, which, you know, I understand how you feel about Chili Peppers. They were they were really, you know, fantastic. I got to see them uh, actually um, in um Idaho and they uh, they didn't tour a lot but they were they gave a good show let me tell you that that was uh, always good and um, I never got to see Phil Collins um, solo I I just I always wished I could but he, he was always really expensive to get in so it was like I don't know what he had he had kind of an ego problem but they charged a lot so um, you know that you you're going with the ballads there, Candace. You're a ballad girl. You like those romantic. I am. I absolutely, and they all have significance. So. Yeah, but that's a really nice song. I mean, I, you know, I usually yeah. find Collins offensive, although I think "In the Air Tonight" was my one of my top five songs of all time. I think it's amazing, but yeah. I don't really like him other than that. But that's one I do not mind whatsoever. So that's a really really interesting Good thing. Song. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now I'm unfortunately having to change my '90s list because I have too many songs that I want to call out. Okay, Casey, your number three song of the 1990s, best song of the 1990s. Okay, number three would be No Doubt. Uh, mm -hmm. Anything from the Tragic Kingdom album. I mean, Spiderwebs, Just a Girl. Um, Gotta pick one. Gotta pick okay, one. Okay, fine. Uh, just a Girl, obviously, because I'm just a girl. Um, but anyways, I, I remember that one because I had a friend at the time, and I went to her house, and she had the, the CD and the cover. The album cover is just so cool and stuck out to me. If you know, it's like a big tree with Gwen Stefani. Not like I'm not a Gwen Stefani fan now, but it really stuck out to me, and I think we listened to that like every day for forever and days. So, um, yeah, no doubt, Just a Girl. And she um, – yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there are some people – who claim that Gwen Stefani is a sex change. And I, I just don't- I don't see that. I don't think that at all. I, no. I actually had, uh, back when I was married, my nieces won some contest in Seattle and got to meet Gwen Stefani uh, and spend 40 minutes with her, 45 minutes. And they said she was just the nicest. She couldn't have been nicer. She was totally focused on them, paid attention to them, did anything they wanted, picture-wise stuff. So that was, she's apparently was really, really good person back then. So, all right. So no doubt, just a girl. I like and that 
just really really quick too is she did um back in the like early 90s she sang a, a song with sublime called uh saw red and there's a cool video you can look it on right so gwen stefani and sublime saw red that's a good song it's like an old reggae song so and later put my, did put my five and three together okay. and later did it's it's my life which was an old talk talk song for me <laughs> Well, so cool. Because the thing is, is that there's so many great songs that, you know, 20 years later, nobody knows what they are. So it's great to have new artists come along and record old songs mm -hmm. and give them a new life. TV's Blake Wally, your number three, your number three uh, all time 1990s song. I know, and I'm, I'm stuck in the middle. I'm just going to have to be true to, to the person I was at that time. Even though somebody was mentioning, I've seen Beck, I've seen Cake. And, you know, if I think if I was saying my best album of the 90s, I, I probably would go with like a Beck Odelay. There's some good uh, there's some good stuff, but I'm. it took me a little while to warm up to the alternative scene back then. I was more of a focused metal guy at that time. But maybe I had to redo this for another time. But I want to go... With the uh, with the uh, the new grunge scene that was coming out, I'm gonna go with Soundgarden for number three. Outshined, I think that was a, a, a very good that song. Outshined, yeah. I mean, I, Nirvana was changed, you know, changed the world. Um, I, I didn't really like Pearl Jam that much out of the Seattle scene. The you know, Screaming Trees were yeah. good. Um, I like some of them, but I I, did, I always liked Soundgarden and, and Audio Slave. I think they were fantastic. Yeah, I never liked um, I never liked Pearl Jam. <laughs> <coughs> ever so no same no not a, not a you know, fan it's really funny because it's actually pathetic because in the in the 80s there was this really hot club scene in seattle and it was all these i guess you would call them really power pop hard rock kind of bands there's the heaters and the cowboys and everybody thought they were going to break out and they were going to be huge but record companies seattle we're not going to go up there what the hell would we ever go up there for right and they just couldn't get signed. And I mean, their songs are amazing. They're still out there and, and that you could dance to them all night long and just really incredible stuff. And then that scene died and like, because they couldn't get any attention. And then like literally a year after everybody just, everybody just quit along the record company suddenly decided to come up and start looking around Seattle. And then that's when all the grunge bands started in 89, mm -hmm. 90, that kind of thing. It was just like crazy. Okay, Candace, your number two, 1990s song of all time. Uh, I think I switched with Casey, but that's okay. We're we're flowing yeah. with it. Um, anyway, so I'm going to go with the um, probably the greatest band that ever lived, and it was based on a single individual, uh, and that is Sting. Um, he he, I saw in uh, performance three times, and uh, the one that uh, he did this song at um, was legendary, and it was at the Gorge in uh, at George. And it was uh, Desert Rose, which um, will stand the test of time for anybody's, uh, you know, it was a story, but it also had a really wonderful feel to it because they brought a guy in that was from uh, Turkey or someplace like that. And he sang the whole first part in his native language and it, and it was incredible. And Sting used to love to do that sort of stuff is bring in, talented people from other cultures and it really enriched his entire purpose which you know has in a very good way he was uh, instrumental in terms of uh going after the uh, the rape of the amazon forest which i followed quite closely and he was right on with that let me tell you he yeah 
yeah. worked with the natives and, um, you know, was used his money in a good way. So you were at the, uh, the concert at the Gorge at George. That's right. 1996. It yeah. was a, it was a very principal, uh, you know, and, and it was a great place. I know a lot of you probably haven't been there because it's kind of out of the way. But. but you will never see a more spectacular venue anywhere in the world. If, if you ever hear about a concert up there you want to go to, assuming we don't have to be temperature tested and rectally examined to go to concerts in the future. We do. Go. Just if you ever have a chance to go see somebody you like there, go because it's just, just unbelievable. So just unbelievable. So, Which one is that again? Uh, the Gorge at George. It's actually on the San Michelle Winery in Eastern Washington, and right on the Columbia River. And you just—you've never seen vistas like this ever. I mean, ever. It's just—I saw Sting there with my ex-wife in '91, actually. So. Yes, he had been there twice. I saw the first one too, but the one yeah, he played at the Rose at was the later one from right. Field of Dreams. We were at so. the same concert then. Wow. Right. 30, cool. 30 years, twenty-nine years ago. That's right. Maybe that was where <laughs> with your ex-wife. But the, you know, it was neat because it was a combination of venue where you would have uh, there was a, a front, um, you know, area that was uh, boxes, and you could kind of you know have a picnic there and stuff. And then there was the back that was the cheap seats, and it was like festival seating. So. You know, it uh, made everybody happy, and there was a place to stay overnight that you could, you could pull in and sleep on the ground or a tent or I whatever. And I stayed overnight that night and watched the UFOs. So, <laughs> pretty spectacular. All right, yeah. Candace's uh, sting is Desert Rose. Casey, you look anxious. You're up next. Um, I, I, I got a tie for two. Okay. What? Wait. Oh, okay. We're already, are we in order? I'm sorry. Hey, I know Casey is next with her number two, right? Oh, yep. no. Did we skip you, Casey? Yeah. I went that's to Candace. Mike, number three. That was your number, Candace, that was your number two, right? That's right. Yeah. We just switched places. Like I said, she okay. was going okay. before me. Okay. Now it's after. Right. But yeah. so now it's Casey's turn. All right. And then you, Blake, just calm down. You'll get your chance. So oh, no. I, I didn't know if you had your three, three uh, in yet. Uh, yeah. My. Oh, no. I don't have my three in yet. Shit. Okay. You're right. Okay. Well, the reason why is because I'm now becoming indecisive. Because how can I do a list like this without an Oasis song? How can I do a list like this without <laughs> without an REM song? How can I do how can I do this list? How can I do this list without uh, two princes from the um, I Married an Axe Murderer movie? Who's the Who's the artist that did that? Sound something? Laws. How can I do it? How can I do it without Semi Charmed Life? By yep. Matchbox, or not Matchbox 20, but Third Eye Blind. Third Eye Blind. I can't. So, number three is Semi Charm Life by Third Eye Blind. Third Eye Blind. Did you ever hear the story that Rob from um, uh, Matchbox 20 told? He goes, I was walking down the street in New York and some guy screamed across the street at me, Third Eye Blind sucks. And I went, Not me. What was your right. song? What was your song name? It is Semi Charm Life by Third Eye Blind. That song always reminded me of the 1990s. All right. All yeah, right. it's a huge song. Definitely. Okay, now, uh, since uh, now we go Casey, number two. Okay, number two. Okay, we're getting down to it, so this is going to be really hard, but I, can I just make one honorable mention for number two? Really sure. Fast. Sure. Okay, Temple of the Dog, Hunger Strike, because there's some great harmonizers, Chris Cornell and Eddie Vedder, who's also Pearl Jam, which I'm not a fan of, Mike, as well, I'm not. But in the video for that song, Hunger Strike, is like the best 90s style. 
in the music video, they have a beach rock out scene and they have like a dark forest rock out scene. So like all that with the 90s out, a great song. Okay, great song. Eddie Vedder, Chris Cornell, great harmonizers. But okay. for number two, just because it's the 90s, we all know it came out of the 90s in the grunge scene. I'm going to do Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Okay. Uh, obviously the riff, you can't, you, anytime you hear it, you know that that's a Nirvana song. Um, Dave Grohl, who's the drummer, um, he is also plays the guitar for Foo Fighters, which I'm not really a big fan of Foo Fighters as yeah. well, but that's yeah, fine. Foo Fighters are a big deal. They, they went yeah. on it quite a bit. So yeah. He did. So, okay. So it's going to be Nirvana um, smells like team spirit. All right. Nirvana smells like team team spirit. Okay. okay. That's like, a great song. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I, 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 yeah. Yeah. I liked a little better than that one, but that's yeah. the, that's the iconic Nirvana song. So yeah, absolutely. always the one I always remember that just that the guitar riff in the beginning. You can't you can't deny a Nirvana song with that. So. Well, that was when you heard that song. That was when you knew the eighties were over, right? Because yeah, no, they no did. We're into something new here, and it was explosive yeah. and and a little down. I, and again, how can I not have a Stone Temple Pilots song in here? I'd like to, but mm, anyway. that's a good one too. Yeah, no, yeah, right. Nirvana definitely did kill the hair the hair um, hair band genre. So yeah. They did. They did. They did. Bono had to call it, cut his mullet off after that one. <laughs> Candace, your number two 1990 song of all Sting. time. Sting, Desert Rose, remember? Yeah. Oh, that, oh, that was that's two. Three. Oh, that's right. That was two. Okay. Blake. Oh, did she already did. Candace, you already did four? Yeah. I did. I yeah, got I that. went up to two. So I guess we're um, Blake. No, did no, you no, do your number two? We're on. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So, yeah, number two. Yeah. Um, Interesting. And in case you guys, you're younger than me, maybe um, Hunger Strike is another one of those. Again, it was Zombie. It's probably like if I had to pick two of like the most overrated songs that I just absolutely hate. <laughs> 90s. Hunger Strike was a huge, huge song. I, yeah. I just never got it. I, I, I hated it. And um, I don't know why. That's the I'm going hungry song, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, it was I just it, it was it wasn't my my thing back then. Right? <laughs> but then Nirvana just destroyed my life back then because you when know, I was like what 14 and I, I liked the hair bands and I so I was just getting into the metal, just getting into the Pantera and the white zombie, and all of a sudden Nirvana comes in and changes the world. Next thing you know, my favorite radio stations going out of business and everyone had the back and Weezer and it was like what what's going on here and all these like depressing uh it's the, it's the grunge and everybody's wearing flannels and uh gravy stains on their shirts and stuff like that but then what <laughs> what was I listening to it was a bunch of dudes in makeup and spandex or it's a bunch of like heavy metal guys being tough so I've outgrown all of it eventually but uh anyway so my, my number two pick let me, let me pull up I'm going to go back to metal. We're going to go with a little Metallica. Now I know people really love the 80s stuff, and they, it deserves it because they're an amazing band. They're known for their 80s stuff. But I think Enter Sandman. Oh, yeah. huge song, 1991. And then also going into the, the live version, was the live shit binge and purge album when they play the whole, uh, was it the In Quest of Gold? I forget the name of that song, but they, they play it like live in Mexico City. Yeah. With that huge intro and the Enter Sandman. That was just a, a really awesome song. And they were just an excellent band. So, got to give them props. That was on my mentions. Nice job, Blake. That was on my mentions. <laughs> that, that is a good choice. Okay. So, um, back to me. Um, it's so hard. Again, I, I want to pick 
acquiesce by Oasis. I want to pick Wonderwall by Oasis. But to me, like Oasis is like a separate category. Like we could do a whole, what are your favorite, my favorite Oasis songs? At least people that, you know, that, you know, the nineties were a, were a kind of a big deal musically. Um, and, and again, I just keep going with like, what songs remind me of the nineties when I think it's like, I know that's the nineties. And one of the bands of course is, is Matchbox 20. And they have there's some so many great songs. I've I've seen them um, separately, you know, in recent years again in L.A. And you know he's not a dynamic performer, but he's a great singer and a really good songwriter. And I you know I really loved Real World because Real World was a great video that kind of changed. Oh wow, there's some new music coming on. There's a new band and they're good and we should pay attention to them. And then of course, Push is a great song. You know I want to push you around. It's just a another great angry song and I really like, but my favorite Matchbox 20 song, and there's a whole bunch of them, is Downfall. I think Downfall mm -hmm. is like just boom. You know, I wonder how you sleep. I wonder what you think of me. It's just a great song and the choir at the end. And I'm just like, okay, so I'm gonna go with Downfall by Matchbox 20 because I had to have a Matchbox 20 song in there. So there we go. Good job, nice. All right. I like it, very nice. Your number one song of the 1990s, my lady. <laughs> well, it's, um, I almost need a moment to think, but I want to give an honorable mention to uh, the Cranberries again for Linger because uh, um, I, I think Linger actually was a, a better ballad, so to say, um, you know, than Z Zombie. But, uh, you know, I just want to honor the thought of, um, you know, Dolores O'Riordan, because she was a really excellent singer. She was also a composer. Um, and she died very tragically, as a lot of uh, singers do. Um, but I really somehow, uh, you know, had a lot of empathy for her cause because she was stuck as she sang about, um, you know, during the, uh, the Protestant Catholic wars that were there. And in Ireland and it, you know, it was tough times. And, you know, for somebody to come forward and actually tell that story in song, I think that just really said a lot about her. Um, but I wanna go, I wanna go to a band that everybody knows about, probably define the entire nineties and that's REM. And, yeah. uh, you know, if you ever saw REM in concert, you would know that that was one tight band and they never missed a beat. I mean, they had totally a, they had a set and they had good stagecraft and they really did a good show. Uh, my number one is gonna be losing my religion. And uh, I just wanna say that that spoke to me, so. Well, you evil wench, you stole my number one. So now I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I finally uh, did it. I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think I think that's probably the, the most perfectly crafted song in the '90s. It just doesn't. There's just not. You know, it's like you said, it's not a wrong note anywhere, anywhere in the whole thing. And I'm not a big fan of Michael Stipe. And I, you know, REM started out as an '80s band. Yeah, but they really came into their own in the '90s. And that that song. I mean, yeah, that that song just that song says the 1990s as much as. Um, uh, uh, you know, a flock of sea. I ran by a flock of seagulls says '80s. It just really defines. Boom! It defines the whole decade, and that's a great choice. That's a great choice. I totally support it. Now I'm going to have to think about what my number one is going to be because it's not going to be that. Okay, uh, can't be. Um, actually, it could be, but I'm 
but now I can't do it. So, all right, uh, Casey Jones, your number one song of the 1990s, your teenage formative years. Okay, so this one, I feel like I got, I, I knew this one kind of later in life, and it's just still one of my favorite bands. And it's also again because of the harmonization; they harmonize so well. Um, but it's going to be Alice in Chains. And I love Lane Staley and Jerry Cantrell. So any anything by them, but I'm going to say uh, Down in a Hole. That's a really good song. I really like Down in a Hole. It's great. And if you want to look up the MTV Unplugged of this, uh, of Alice in Chains, it is so right. good. And side, side story is um, they did not know if Lane Staley was actually going to show up when they were there. He just literally walked out. No one had talked to him for a long time. And uh, he was, you know, I just realized that like three of the five people that are on my list are all like died of heroin overdoses. <laughs> I just not really, they're all heroin addicts and heroin overdoses. Yeah, I don't, I don't know here. But um, yeah, so they didn't know if he was going to show up for that. But it's really, really good. So that um, Alice in Chains, Down in a Hole. And then I thought, Candace, didn't you have a story about um, meeting like Jerry Cantrell? Yes, yes. I, I have a good story. Thank I, you, no, I worked on one of their most favorite, uh, famous um, MTV, um, you know, it's a double album set, actually, but they uh, did what's called the Nona Tapes. And uh, I mean, they they were probably um, the funnest people I ever worked with. We had a great set rapport, but I did uh, Jerry Cantrell and Drag, and you should go take a look at it. It's legendary. Oh, yeah. And um, also I did the, um, I forget his name, the guy that was the drummer, right? Um, I did him as an evil clown. And I, I swear to God, after that, uh, it became a thing. I was a real trendsetter over there in Seattle doing all sorts of work. And it so happened that that particular piece was uh, elevated to cult status and uh you know, I, I uh, again, I made friends with him. It was during the period when Lane just showed up when he could, and but he actually did a really good job. He acted, and he they had him there in a lot of scenes. So it's a great place to go to see who he was. I, you know, having kind of a a bad uh, experience with that. I never did hard drugs, but certainly it was the case that there were a lot of people in Seattle there that were part of the heroin culture and it was quite heartbreaking. So, yeah. you know, it yeah. was a good period of time. Yeah, I thought I heard you mention something about that. So I wanted to, um, I wanted to ask you why that, but yeah, that's, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah, it's, um, it, again, you should go and take a look at it. It's called the Nona Tapes, N-O-N-A. And um, they had, um, you know, they're the whole, um, you know, catalog is there. It's in two or three pieces, but that's so as well. Cool. And I worked on two out of three of them. I think there is another one that they did that I wasn't on set, but you know, it was um, it was a typical. You know, I mean, they did. You know, M uh, MTV uh, did a really good job with a lot of those, and then there were also independent producers that came up with them. And I don't want to give credit to anybody that doesn't deserve it, but it is the case that. I think it was better done than a lot of them because uh, we had a professional crew that came in and did the art direction and, and it looked like it. So that was fun. That's cool. cool. Great story. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Great story. Yeah. Okay. TV's Blake Wally, your number one pick for the best songs of the 1990s. 
Yeah, and there's so many honorable mentions. I'll, I'll wait till after, but uh, yeah, good on the Allison Chains. I was kind of looking at it like, oh man, I, sh- I should have put Man in the Box. That was one of my favorites. I just looked it up. It was it was 1990, so it would have made the cut. You got one pick left. You still can. One pick, and it's going to be with number one in the song. Not saying it deserves it or not, but if you went back in time at, at any point in the 90s and you said, Blake, what's your what's your favorite song? Who's your favorite band? It'd have to be uh, Black Number One by Typo Negative. Typo. It might be a little cheesy, might be a little dated now. It's nostalgia for me. It's this huge, like, 11 minute ballad about um, really, it, it's actually about hair dye, which I didn't even know till like 15 years later. Like, oh, my favorite song is about hair dye. It's kind of a, a joke in a way. But that was kind of the, the, to the character of who the lead singer was, Peter Steele, who did die. Didn't they do that? Didn't they do that really super creepy a- album cover with the guy with his face like in some sort of like foreskin weird thing, like some sort of weird alien thing that he's wrapped no. up? No, typo negative. They were they were weird. usually green, like forested kind of weird. Uh, I, don't know, okay. I don't know. They look kind of like a. <laughs> what was it like? A, a, I'm drawing a, a blank here at the style of of music. What they called it? It's like kind of like a heavy metal funeral, like kind of a gothic metal. Yeah, but the guy had a, it was a great metal. singer. Really heavy metal, goth metal. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, metal. it was kind of slowed down, but it was, it was very interesting. It was, um, it, it, yeah, unique sound at that. Too. I think probably the best vocalist '90s. Very uh, terrific singer. He's like a big six foot five, huge like. New York, and then it was again, and it was just kind of a, an interesting back then. Yeah, it does take me back because I was, you know, my teenage years. But uh, that, that was a, it was a good song, and it was an interesting band at the time. There you go, Love Black it. Number One, Type O Negative. Black Number One by Type O Negative. Okay, I guess yeah. that leaves me. And since Candace stole my Number One song <laughs> of the nineties, I have to go somewhere else. Well, I mean, there's some thoughts, you know. I mean, I keep coming up with more bands I really liked. I mean. I really like Stone Temple Pilots. I think STP had some great songs. Dead and Bloated is awesome. Again, it just defines grunge for me. Um, there was a second song on that album was a lot higher, ha- faster paced. I forget what it was. There's Anything by Oasis, which again, I'm just keeping Oasis off this list because I could make a whole list of just Oasis songs. Um, Creep. Creep by, um, by STP. Radiohead. Freaking song. Oh. And... Um, and then there's Goo Goo Dolls, and I love Goo Goo Dolls. I, I, I you know, uh, Dizzy is a great song. Um, you know, uh, Know Your Name, that's a great song. Sympathy is a great song. What's that? Oh, Know Your Name's good. Just yeah, I mean, there's just so, uh, there's so many great songs that they did, but I think this is a definitive song of the decade um, because it's, it, I mean, everybody remembers it. And it's popular, and it's uh, Iris by Goo Goo Dolls is going to have to be my new number one, because it's from the movie City of Angels, and it's if you have ever seen that movie, again the movie's dated. It's Nicolas Cage and Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan. Ryan. And it's about angels, and it's it's really an amazing uh, amazing movie. It will rip your heart out if you're a human being at all, yeah. and uh, and I think Iris by Goo Goo's is probably going to be my my number one, even though I fought it and wanted to do something else, but there we go. Okay. Nice. So, well, tough calls. It, it was not that easy is, to do. I agree. Yeah. And there's a lot of yeah. people like 
putting stuff up there. Yeah, some of the people saying Symphony of Destruction, Megadeth, Psalm 69, Ministry, Connected, Stereo MCs, Killing in the Name of, Rage Against the Machine, Today hey. Was a Good Day by Ice Cube. There's a lot of like really good like late 90s uh, like hip hop stuff I listened to when I was in college. Yeah. It's good stuff. By yeah. the way, uh, yeah, JS Pops in here. JS, Joe, um, I hope everything's going good with your dad and your brother. They both came down with COVID apparently. We mm -hmm. hope that they're getting treated with the proper medications like HCQ and wish you and your family well. I want to make sure you know that, buddy. Um, okay, so let's, you know, it's really interesting because the 90s are really the end of our innocence because 9-11 started this psychotic process that we're now in the end game of, 20-year process. And so in a lot of ways, these songs are, even though they're not all very optimistic like the 80s were, they're... <laughs> what was coming maybe they maybe they started getting a little you know down because they they knew something was going to get wrong i don't know but okay let's go back over the list candace had red rain by peter gabriel um caribbean blue by enya and you guys should take note of this because you're going to vote on it and the uh the poll i'm going to put on the video later um another day in paradise by phil collins was candace's number three Desert Rose by Sting was Candace's number two. And Losing My Religion by R.E.M. was Candace's number one. A rock solid list, if I may say so myself, Candace. Thank you. <laughs> uh, TV's Blake Wally's list was uh, Pantera, um, Cowboys from Hell, Blind by Korn. Um, Soundgarden had out, Outshined by Soundgarden. Metallica, Enter Sandman, right, Blake? Enter Sandman? Yeah, it was the number two, I believe, yeah. Number two, and then number one was Black Number One by Type O Negative. Blake coming with the hard stuff. Yeah, Casey, I, I, do a, a sorry, I, I guess I don't have to read the list. Casey, you want to read your yeah. list? Um, sure. So I have, am I starting number five? Let me go back to number five. Sorry, hold on, where am I? Uh, number five was Sublime Palm Shop. And okay. number, four, number four was Cranberry Zombie. Mm -hmm. uh, number three was No Doubt, uh, Just a Girl. Number two was Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit. And number one was Alice in Chains, Down in a Hole. Down in a Hole. Okay. Angry, and, Chair, was, Angry Chair was a good second one, too. So yeah, yeah. All <laughs> of them on that are good. So sorry. Yeah, a lot of good stuff. A lot of Can good you, stuff. Have, have you seen the... Uh, um, Smells like Team Spirit, the official video. Because I, I went with that as my number one when we did that, Mike, uh, about the our, our video choices. Because yeah, yeah, the video, yeah. yeah that right. was That is a legendary. If you haven't seen it. Yeah. The old man with the mop. Was, yeah, the old man with the mop and everything, yeah. Yeah, and it, it really was um, very much their best song. I mean, I they were... They were tough to listen to in some senses, and I, I never went down to see them because they were um, always playing down at that. Uh, what was it called uh, on First Avenue there, um, down in the oh, near? The um, yeah, the, the box, shoebox. Yeah, showbox. Showbox. Yeah. They were like legendary down there, and and the mosh pit, you know. So. Yeah. <laughs> so that was bizarre. It's like as I say, it flipped over from all of these catchy 80s sing and dance cocaine fueled rock bands to all of a sudden being the grunge scene it just flipped in like like three or four months and, and the heroin and the up and the down right <laughs> it yeah, went from cocaine to heroin there you go <laughs> that's perfect exactly. okay and my list was um 
uh, Hannah Jane by Hootie and the Blowfish, Downey California by Red Hot Chili Peppers, um, Semi-Charm Life by Third Eye Blind, Downfall by Matchbox 20, and Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls. A little bit more poppy on my end of things. So, Sorry. all right, that's it. Um, I'll put the poll up in the next uh, day or so, and be people can come in and vote on whose list they liked better. I don't know if I can have four options in there. I hope so. Um, and, uh, I, you know, other than that, I mean, that's, that's tonight's entertainment. Um, everything remains pretty serious. Everything remains very important. We're, we're watching. I don't know that anything will happen tomorrow. Um, we shall see if it does. Some or all of us will be back here to talk to you guys about it. And it will, you know, I mean, we're in very, very heavy, very important times. That's why I think it's important to take, um, Gosh, that took us almost an hour, <laughs> an hour off and just talk about entertainment and stuff. And I'm going to kind of tune out tomorrow, um, try to watch some football and have a good weekend. Casey, you do too with your family. Blake, wherever the hell you are, you have a great time. <laughs> Candace in Montana. And again, yeah. thank you thank everybody. Thank you, everybody in chat, everybody for coming in. Thank yeah. you very much to Candace Whitelife for all the wonderful information. Blake, for your input on everything. TV's Blake Wally's going to come back. We're going to have him on more often. We're going to have you yeah, on. Yeah, thank you, Blake. And thank more you, often. Casey, for your wisdom and wonderfulness. And you guys, I just want to say thank you to Mike, too, that you've uh, kept on keeping on here and that you're you're really com coming forward and uh, holding down the fort. So, you know, stay, stay aware, stay safe, and, uh, you know, don't... Um, eat any bad food so um we can all casey and i at a minimum we'll be back monday morning at 10 a.m with our uh our real news live stream and um we will i guess we'll just see everybody then thanks for coming have a great night have a great sunday yeah. and um be vigilant be vigilant and be ready to be ready to move when the time comes so yeah. thanks guys good night